0: Let's pray, Father God. We just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to to preach your word, Father. We pray that it will go and it will not return void. It will accomplish what it was set to do, and we just give you the praise and honor, and glory for it, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So, um, this this joke was sent to me by a good friend, Mike Lotler, and um, and I'm gonna do my best to tell it. this kind of long. Y'all got to keep up, okay. All right, so Forrest Gump died and went to the pearly gates. And St. Peter said, we're actually running into a little bit of a problem. We're overcrowded, so we have a three-question test. And Forrest said, well, I'm not very smart, but I'll do my best. And so he goes to the thing, he said, all right, what's the, the first question is? Name two days of the week to start with the letter T. And Forrest says, well, that's easy. It's today and tomorrow. And St. Peter said, well, that wasn't exactly what we were looking for, but I'll give you the point anyway. So question two is, is how many seconds is there in the year? So Forrest thinks for a second, he comes back and says, 12. St. Peter scrouses his forehead and says, what do you mean, 12? And he said, it's January 2nd, February 2nd, March. He said, oh, here again, not what we were looking for, but we'll take it. But the last question is really tough. What is God's first name? And Forrest said, well, that's the easiest question you've asked. And he said, what do you mean? He said, it's Andy. St. Peter said, well, you got me. I've been here a long time. I I never heard Andy. He said, yeah, we used to sing it. And he walks with me and he talks with me. (laughs) Yeah. then St. Peter said, run, force, run. Like I said, they're not all tens, but if y'all got a better joke, I'll take it. Other than Stephen's jokes that I've done told before. Um... So what we talked about last week was the unity in the body of Christ, right? <clears throat> and, and on the surface, it, it, it is an easy theory to understand. That yes, we're all Christians. And yes, we all have the same general goal. And yes, we should all be on the same team. But there's a component of unity that we didn't talk about last week, really, that we're going to talk about explicitly today. And, and, and the truth is, was without love... There is no church, and there is no unity, right? So I told Michael this morning, I I actually took my Bible app and went to Greek, right? And and I tried to read the Greek, and they don't even use our letters. So then I was really behind the eight ball. So I listened to the Greek, and I was trying to find the the Greek where they used two different kinds of love, right? Because, I mean... The Greek word previous to when Jesus stepped foot on the planet was phileo or phileo or however you say it. And I'm not here again, don't know Greek. But that was love. That was the word they used for love. And it was the, I don't know, I love this food. I love my wife. I love my dog. That was that kind of love. I love my friends. I love my church. It was that kind of love. And that <clears throat> changed when Jesus got here because Jesus brought the love called agape love. And the agape love is an unconditional, unmerited, unbiased, unchanging, never-ending love of God. And they didn't understand the concept. They didn't understand the concept. They understood, I like my, I love my girlfriend, I love my food, I love my dog, I love my church, I love my friends, I love my house, I love my country. They did not understand that. Because look, it, it, and, and even the best of us, Right? Yes, I love my wife. Absolutely, 100%. Like Christ loved the church, right? That's, that's what we're supposed to love. But if the scenario comes up to where... <clears throat> I saw another funny joke um, this week. And it was a guy talking about how different people sleep differently. And he was videoing himself and he said he actually slept with his arm underneath his pillow on his side. And his um, wife slept at her ex-boyfriend's house. So it was different how different people slept. <clears throat> right? We, we love, we love, but we love conditionally. Right? I mean, as a human, you love conditionally. I love you as long as you love me. I mean, granddaddy used to say that, right? He used to pass notes in kindergarten and said, I love you if you love me. And if, if I don't love you, if you don't love me. That, that's how humans are built and made. So this when... John 3.16 was written, <clears throat> let's flip to there, that's a good place to start. So John 3.16 was written, it was written in a different word. It was not the same word that they had been using. So when it was written, <clears throat> for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Right. So when, when, when God, that word loved right there, That was the agape kind of love, the unchanging, never-ending, unmerited, pure love. And that love was a, hard to say it was revolutionary, but it was a revolutionary idea that nobody had ever had a concept of what it meant anymore. In fact, the Greeks didn't even have a word for it. They kind of built a word for it. <clears throat> Which is what I was trying to do when I listened to the greek I was trying to hear the difference when they use philio and they use agape But if you ever listen to greek Well, i'll go ahead and tell you you can turn on your bible app and you listen to whatever language you want to But I listened it in aramaic and, and greek and i'm not smart enough to pick the word difference up because it says <laughs> and, and here again, it's not even in our, our our whole it's not in our I mean, I can't even cheat because it's not in our alphabet But when he said this, when this agape love came to the planet, when they first started talking about it, it was so foreign to them that even the disciples, the followers of Christ, didn't really understand what what was going on. So if you will, if you will understand, let's let's go. I'm going to be out of order, but it'll be all right. um, To the gospel according to John. And this, because this is the best example of of what was taking place. Uh, So the gospel according to John, if you go to chapter 21, um, and I'm not going to read the whole story because we're just going to get an idea of what's going on. This is after Jesus had been crucified um, in chapter, you know, before chapter 21, he's already been raised from the dead. He's already appeared to the disciples. And this is one of the last times he appears to the disciples. It's really one of my favorite lessons after he was crucified and reappeared. And, and basically the disciples are out fishing and, and he called out from them the beach, uh, verse five, friends, do you have any fish? And they answered, no, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they, the large number of fish. And then instantly they figured out who he was, right? <clears throat> so as soon as Simon Peter figured out, oh, wait a minute, this kind of abundance only comes from God, that's God, That's Jesus. He took off his robe and he jumped into the water or wrapped it up or whatever. I mean, I don't know how the undergarment and the overgarment and the between garments work. But basically, he jumped out of the boat to go to the beach. Because Jesus was on the beach preparing them breakfast. Now, that in itself, and we're going to come back to this in a minute. That in itself is amazing to me that, you know, he had been crucified, tormented, beaten, tortured, harassed, spit on. Went to hell, paid my penalty and yours, and then came back and said, you know what would be cool? How about if I cooked them some breakfast on the beach? That'd be awesome. I mean, it'd be awesome y'all ever cook breakfast on the beach. I think it would be amazing. But, but back to my point. So uh, verse 15, and when they had finished eating, Jesus said to him, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, according to the smart people that I have been doing studies with, uh, E.W. Kenyon, right? He is one, is, is one of the ones that I've been reading a bunch of. He said, do you agape me? Do you love me with the God kind of love? And he answered, I filio you. And then he asked him again, no, no, no. Do you agape me? And he answered the second time, I filio you. And the third time Jesus asked, because he asked him three times, right? And there's all kinds of, you know, correlations to Peter died Christ three times. And then he asked him if he loved him three times. And he rectified him back and brought him back into the, into the covenant. But, but so the last time Jesus asked him, he said, do you filio me? Right? Because he understood that even after seeing everything that had taken place, that word agape was still over his head. Now, this, this is Simon Peter. This is the rock that I'm going to build the church on. This is the disciple of disciples, right? This is the discerning one. I mean, he, he, he is the guy. Yet, even now, after Jesus had been crucified, after he had been raised from the dead, after he had reappeared, after he's fixing him breakfast on the beach, he still couldn't quite get to the idea of what the word agape meant. Because he was still basing it on fundamental human evidence knowledge, right? That that sense knowledge, that I'll love you as long as you love me, knowledge. But it is revelation knowledge to understand what the word agape means, right? It is revelation knowledge in the Pauline epistles. It's revelation knowledge to where Paul uses it over and over and over and over to explain the love of God. <clears throat> it is a difficult situation to understand without being born again. Without being born again, it was impo- without having the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, it is impossible to understand what the love of God really is. And Peter, at the time, was not saved, right? Had not been saved yet, not until the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit fell on them at Pentecost, you know, 40 days later or something in that general vicinity. But he had not not been baptized in the Holy Spirit or, or been born again, right, until the upper room. Not until then, then... He preached this awesome sermon and got thousands of people saved and telling them that Jesus Nazareth was, went about doing good and healing the sick and how he loved them no matter what, no matter who they were, no matter how they came, no matter what sin they had in their life. And then he understood the word agape. Up until then, he, up until the Holy Spirit came on the inside of him, he did not understand the word agape. He could not fathom it. Um, so let's turn to Ephesians. I, I'm yep, yeah. trying to get back in order. Ephesians, chapter three. Uh, chapter 3 verse 17 so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide how long how high and how deep is the agape love of Christ right I, I want you to have the Holy Spirit live on the inside of you to where you understand how much God's love means to you To how big it is, how high it is, how wide it is, and how long it is, right? It's it's like trying to explain to somebody how big a piece of land is, right? I mean, it's difficult. And people who who aren't from the country have an even tougher time with how big the piece of land is, right? I mean, I had some folks that I went to school with were not from around here, and they were talking about like, you know, How much land do you have? And a couple hundred acres here and a couple hundred acres there. And and the hunt club's 6,000 acres. And they were like, that's bigger than Central Park. Yeah, I didn't think Central Park was like a measurement stick. I mean, I guess that that's a measurement stick. A Central Park is a measurement stick. But people have a hard time understanding how big, how wide, how long stuff is. A couple of years ago, we had a, a, a unfortunate incident in the hunting club where somebody had trespassed, and it ended up being really bad. And, and the police came in, and and Blaine and them took the police down there, and and they were the this guy had um, drove down there and bogged down, and then ended up passing away a couple of days later. And his car was across the club, and so Blaine said, you know, here's where they found the guy, but his car is, you know on the Robinson Road which y'all have no idea unless you hunt in the gun club and so the cops started walking like we're gonna walk to the Robinson Road and what y'all don't understand is the Robinson Road is some here to Bono um, that's how I thought It's it's probably five miles from where they were they had no concept of where they were or where they were going right they couldn't understand how big wide long tall this is and Blaine was like uh, I think you want to ride with me because it's not over there. It's over there. I mean, even the other day, we were talking, I was talking to Mama about how big the town of St. Stephen is. The town of St. Stephen is a one-mile circle. Y'all know that? The town of St. Stephen is a one-mile circle. St. Stephen Gun Club is 10 square miles. You put the town in there 10 times just about to get to where we're at. So when Paul was talking about how big, how wide, how long, how tall, he was trying to figure out how you use this as a reference. That this agape kind of love it's it's bigger than you think it's wider than you think it's taller than you think I want you to understand and what he says is is that, that I need you to be rooted and grounded and established in love that may have power which is the Holy Spirit Right To grasp how wide how long how high how deep is the love of Christ And to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God so not only Am I trying to tell you how big it is? I don't even have the words to explain it. I, I got to come up. I mean, basically, they made a new word to try to explain how big God's love is. in, in <clears throat> I heard it this week. I heard a well-meaning, good Christian guy say something this week. And he was talking about... A family that had, had a tough time and it had someone, a member pass away and another member was sick and it had, had a tough business deal. And he told me, hmm, sounds like the wrath of God, doesn't it? And I said, huh? I can't tell you what I really think standing where I'm at because I'm going to offend a whole lot of people that I don't need to offend in a place that I don't need to be offending people. And I said, I don't know about that. Not because I'm not bold enough. Not because I don't know what the truth is. Not because I don't understand how big, long, wide, tall the love of God is. But truthfully, he had in his head that somehow those people had done something to make God fall out of love with them. The same God who gave his only begotten son to be crucified on the cross and killed and taken to the pits of hell that guy found something in their life that was so big that he couldn't love them and i wanted to tell him you're missing it so far you're so far off base you're so far off base now if you back up before the word agape was established and you only have the filio kind of love That conditional that if I do this, you do that. If I'm nice to you, you nice to me. If I'm not nice to you, you not nice to me. If I talk nice to you, you talk nice to me. There is an understanding in that. That is, if I start treating Crystal poorly, she can still love me, but she's probably going to go somewhere else. Right? Long long enough, not if I don't, I mean like, like really bad, like really bad for a really long time. I don't know, she's pretty patient. It would probably take a really, really long time. But you understand what I'm saying. That there is still some kind of condition on how much she loves me. And if you look at it in a world's viewpoint, in a world's standpoint, if you put God in that picture, you have an opportunity to think that if you do something really bad, that God don't like you anymore. Because if you read the Bible and understand that, God, you can't even fathom how big, wide, tall, long it is. And then we start talking about what separates us from that. What, what could separate us from that? Is, did I not write that down? I must have didn't. But the Bible says, what can separate us from that? I know that's yeah, it's Romans. I got it right there. Big dummy. Anybody know what chapter and verse it is? It's Romans eight something, right? Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sorrows? For as it is written, for your sake we face death all the long day. We are considered a sheep to the slaughter. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Agape love. So what can separate us from the love of God? And the answer is nothing. Not how I act, not how I walk, not how I talk, not how you act, not how you walk, not how you talk. God loved the world, the sinful, horrible, terrible world, the murderers and thieves and all of the bad people in the world. He, Agape, loved them so much that he sent a Savior for them. And when he did, and when Jesus did, and when he showed up, right, in flesh and lived blamelessly and was led like a lamb to the cross and was crucified <clears throat> and sacrificed and his blood went, on to the, went into hell and paid my penalty and his blood went on the altar in heaven. When he made that atonement for me, the wrath of God was satisfied against humans. And that's a big statement. And it's hard for people to understand. When he paid for my penalty and your penalty and the entire world's penalty. When he laid that blood down on the altar in the holy of holies in heaven. He paid for the wrath of God. And what I look like now when God looks at me is he doesn't see me. He sees the blood of Christ which covers me. And when the blood of Christ covers me I look perfect and blameless. And y'all all know that ain't true. Not in the filial part, it ain't, because not everybody likes me. Talking about love me, not everybody even likes me. It's not conditional. I can't buy it, I can't sell it. You can't buy it, you can't sell it. You can't earn it. All you can do is accept it. Because it was a gift given by grace, through faith. Right, Romans says that through faith, salvation is by confession. But that agape love is so big, so wide, so tall, so long that we don't understand. And nothing can separate us from it. Nothing can separate us from it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or swords? Nothing can separate us from it. So if we live... According to God's agape love, right? Jesus said, you'll know that they're my disciples because they love each other. Uh, Gospel according to John uh, chapter 13. All right, this is where I was getting to where my stuff was a second ago. Um, So right before Jesus Jesus knew he was going to die on the cross, right? He knew what was getting ready to take place. Right before that took place, after Judas had left, chapter 13, verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father put all things in his power and had come from God, and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, and he took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel, that was wrapped around him. So right before the worst thing that has ever taken place in his in time, in the in the history of time, he stopped and washed their feet. And right after this took place, he cooked them breakfast on the beach. Because what stopped God Christ from loving us? Nothing. Not even hell. Not death, not torture, not anything. Nothing stopped Jesus from loving us. Nothing. Not knowing what was getting ready to take place. Not enduring what had taken place. So if you stay in the chapter 13 and flip over a page. It's still in the same conversation. Jesus says I have a new commandment. I have a new commandment because, you know, these guys had grown up knowing what the commandments were. And this is you wash your hands this way and you go to church this day and you walk this far on this day and you have to prepare the sacrifice this way. I mean, all of these guys understood this and they lived accordingly. And Jesus said, I have a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. That's not the filial kind of love. That's not a conditional love them if they're nice to you. Uh -uh. Love them if they're the same color as you or the same age as you or the same affiliation as you or they come from the same country as you or they speak the same language as you. No, 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 no. None of those were there. There was no love them, you know, as best you can. No, he didn't. He said love them. It's I have loved you. And the agape, never-ending, can't stop, can't separate, can't explain how much love. Now, this is a pretty tough, this is a pretty tough commandment. Because the other one said, don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, right? And it was, I mean, it was, you know, they were doable. It was very doable. But a new commandment, I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And every time the word of love is, it is the God kind of love. It is the agape kind of love. It is the unmeasurable, unseparable, unexplainable, right? You can't even understand how much. I want you to treat people like that. No matter how old, no matter how young, no matter what color, no matter what creed, no matter if you know, sick or poor or young or, or fat or skinny or, or pretty or ugly or anything else. I want you to love them the way I love you. And that's a pretty tall order. And as we operate as, a, as the body of Christ and we're talking about being in unity as the body of Christ, we have a lot of filial love in there well i don't mind that church so bad because they kind of agree with us or you know they kind of dress funny or they do this or they do that and i kind of can get along with those people but i'm not those people those people crazy right i mean that's what a lot of the world sees but what we have to see is that this commandment says i want you to love them the way i loved you now just a little tidbit of an example is after they had beaten him and stripped his clothes off and put a crown of thorns on his head and nailed him to the cross he said father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing that ain't the the easy kind of love to understand well you don't understand they were mean to me they talked bad about me or they did this or they did that or they, they played for a different team or whatever Come up with whatever childish excuse you want to of why we're not loving people like Jesus loved the church. Because it says right there, in, in, in pretty, pretty basic terms, the new commandment I give you, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. So as we develop as a church, as a group, as a people, as a community, as a family, the God kind of love has got to be, oh man, it's got to be like really, 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 really high on the list. It's got to be what we're looking at, because look here. Not everybody's easy to love, right? I'm I'm, I'm not. Y'all ain't. Some of y'all ain't. I've known y'all a long time. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just is what it is. But when Jesus is talking about the God kind of love, it's inexplicable. It's never ending. It 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 it, it is. In spite of yourself. He loved me in spite of me. He loved you in spite of you too. And if we can get to the place to where we start to focus on loving people the way Christ loved us. It changes you as a person. It changes your outlook on people. It changes on your, your, your habits. It changes your, your personality. Because look here. You can't be... You can't be mean to the waitress just because she didn't do what you wanted her to do and have the God kind of love. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't be mean to people. You can't harass people, bombard people, attack people, and walk into God kind of love. You can do A or B. You can't have both. So, as we develop as Christians, as we develop as the body of Christ, we have to have this new commandment that I I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Not conditional. Not most of the time. Not because you were nice. Not because I like you. Not because we, you know, agree on some topics. It's that I love you in spite of you. Because he loved us in spite of us. God so loved the world, agape world, He loved the world so much, the sinful, terrible, horrible world, that he sent his only son to die for us and for our salvation. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word, Father. We thank you for this commandment that as we move and grow as the body of Christ, that we develop this agape love, Father, to where we love people the way you loved us. And we give you the praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.